in the development of the practice of Dhamma, we're learning how distraction works, how the mind gets pulled in one direction or another, pulled apart, distracted. We find ourselves chasing after something we're supposed to be doing, getting upset by a particular thing that we hear or see, getting excited by an idea or a memory, a plan. What we see, smell, taste, touch, think, remember, imagine, the attention latches on to something worrying, exciting, interesting, frightening, important. Our responsibilities it latches onto them, snags onto them like a like a, a burr catching on our socks as we walk through the grass. Catches on, takes hold. The mind then gives value, importance to that thing that we've got to do, that problem we've got to solve, that pain that we can't get away from, or that desirable object that we want to get close to, keep hold of, thing we don't want to lose. Therefore it's, it's very important, helpful, to get to know how distraction works, how we get lost, how the mind gets snagged, carried away. So as we engage in these hours of formal practice, watching the mind, the body, the world, see how that works, the process of distraction. And you find the mind caught up in a, a memory, a fantasy, a worry, a plan, struggling with a sensation, trying to keep hold of something beautiful. We notice that, the tensing in the system, the stressing in the heart, trying to keep hold of something that we like, get away from something that we dislike. Notice that stressing, that tensing, Feel it, know it. This is dukkha. It's the essence of dukkha, dissatisfaction. Notice it, feel it, and follow it back to where it came from. There's a sensation in our leg, the sound of a machine, the memory of a conversation at breakfast. Something causes an idea of what we want to do later in the year. It was just an idea that arose, a memory of a conversation, a sensation in our a leg, a back, in a tooth. When we follow it back to its source, trace it back to its origin, we find things get a lot simpler. When the mind is lost in its narratives, what I've got to do, where I've got to go, what I want to be, 
how I used to have it, where I used to go. There's a lot of self-creation, a lot of self-view involved in that. We follow it back. There's a sound, a smell, an idea, a sensation. It's very simple. Free of self in its own nature. In terms of dependent origination, Paticca Samupada, this is following things back across the, the bridge between craving to feeling, feeling to craving. When the mind is lost in the, the realms of attachment, excitement, interest, fear, aversion, opinion, all those outflows, it's gone through craving to clinging, becoming, birth. When we follow it back over that bridge between craving to feeling, it gets much simpler. A sensation in the leg, a taste on the tongue, a mental image, a random memory. That's all. The realm of feeling and perception is quite simple, innocent, free of self-view, free of, of conceit. There's very little eye-making and mind-making just in the realm of feeling and perception on its own. When the Buddha gave the teaching to Bahia, meeting Bahia as a wanderer in the streets of Savati on the alms round, Bahia asked the Buddha for a, a, a teaching then and there, right in the middle of the street. First the Buddha said it wasn't a convenient time, but Bahia pressed him. And eventually the Buddha said, in the scene there is only the scene, in the herd there is only the herd. In the sensed, there is only the sensed, what we smell or taste, touch. In the cognized, there is only the cognized. This is how you should train yourself, Bahia. And when it's known, when it's recognized that in the scene there's only the scene and so on, then you'll recognize there is no thing there, there's no solidity in the world of perceptions. When you see there's no thing there, there's no that, and you'll also recognize there's no thing here. The subject, the knower, the experiencer, is also empty. There's no thing here. When you recognize there's no thing here, the subject is also empty of substance, then you won't be able to find a self in the world of this or in the world of that or anywhere between the two. There's no solid sense of I in the subject or the object. The world and the feeling of, of the knower of the world, the I that experiences and does, they're all empty. This Bahia is the end of suffering. And to his credit, Bahia became an arahant right then and there in the street in Savati after a five-minute Dhamma talk.
So the realm of feeling and perception is very simple. Free of conceit, self-view. But it still can seem quite solid. Hearing a sound seems like a real thing. That's a sound. It's out there. Or this is a feeling in my leg. It's just a feeling. The mind isn't adding any uh, aversion or negativity and worry to it. But it's a feeling. And those subtle attachments of in here, out there, this is mine, or I'm the experiencer, they can still be lingering in the background, having their influence. So if you follow this teaching that the Buddha gave to Bahia, follow that completely, develop that to fulfillment, then it also is emptying out the apparent solidity of what we see and hear, smell, taste, touch, and also the seer, the hearer, the smeller, the taster, the toucher, the thinker. The apparent solidity of an experienced and an experiencer that dissolves. The heart embodies the quality of vicha, awakened awareness. The whole cycle of dependent origination doesn't get started. Avijja doesn't arise. It's just vicha, knowing, awakened awareness. So in establishing, strengthening the practice of Dhamma, comes to completion, comes to fulfillment at this quality of awakened awareness. Ignorance doesn't arise. The world is known as it is. The experiencer, the knower of the world, is recognized, is known as it is. As the Buddha put it, that whereby one is a, a perceiver of the world and a knower of the world, a conceiver of the world, a perceiver and a conceiver of the world, that is what we call the world in this Dhamma and discipline. And what is it whereby one is a perceiver of the world, loka sanyi, a conceiver of the world, loka mani, the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind. That's how the world is conceived, perceived, built, formed, fabricated through the habits of perception and thinking, language, memory. The conditioning of this mind forms the world that is experienced. So in this understanding, this recognition, it's known that our mind produces its own version of the world. What we experience is not the world, but our mind's version of the world. It's empty, dependent, not solid, not reliable.
And when the heart is established in this quality of vicha, this is what is meant by taking refuge in the Buddha, the quality of awakened awareness, being awake, being aware, being awareness, awareing, if such a word exists. Knowing the world, knowing sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought, feeling, emotion, memory, loving, hating, fearing, owning, having, losing, regretting, gaining, losing, all of it. These are the patterns of the world. Inside, outside, coarse, fine, pure, impure, comfortable, uncomfortable. These are the patterns of the world, the loka. But that which knows the world, the lokavitu, is not limited by that. It's not burdened by that, not stressed by that. This quality of awareness, vicha, the element of awareness, it knows the world, but is not limited by the world. It knows time and space, people, things, memory, imagination, but is not limited, not burdened, not defined by any of those things. The mind is Dhamma, it's not a person. The citta, it's Dhamma. Its nature is Dhamma. Its activity, its function, is Buddha. The substance of this mind, this fundamental nature of what we are, is Dhamma. The mind is Dhamma. Its primary activity is knowing. Buddha. As Lumpur Sumedha says so often in his teachings, so in this practice we're clarifying, strengthening this quality of awakened awareness, being Buddha, being awake, being awareness, embodying that. Trying to define that or describe it in words or concepts always falls short. This quality of the heart, it knows the world, is open to the world, is attuned to the world. But in itself, it's mysterious, subtle, intangible. Another of the teachings that is useful to, to get to know, to contemplate, is where the Buddha says to Vachagota, that material form, feeling, perception, mental formations or consciousness, whereby someone trying to describe the Tathagata, trying to describe the Buddha, the awake, aware quality, has been cut off at the root, made like a palm tree stump deprived of conditions for existence, rendered incapable of arising in the future. That awakened awareness is totally free of being identified with, 
can't be described in terms of the five khandhas, in terms of sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought, language, number, any conceptual form. The Tathagata is liberated from being reckoned in terms of material form, bhacha, in terms of feeling, perception, mental formations, consciousness. He is profound, immeasurable, unfathomable, like the great ocean. So that quality is, there's an isness, a suchness, but trying to describe that or define that, the thinking mind falls flat. Language can't stretch that far, doesn't have enough dimensions. So the Buddha uses this image of the sea, the great ocean, just as when we stand on a seashore and we look out over the vast waters to the horizon, and there's a quality of wonderment, strength, power. It's alive, the waves are moving, it reaches to infinity. What's below the surface is unknown, but it's present. Profound, immeasurable, unfathomable, like the great ocean. So just as there is that quality of wonderment and awe, standing on the seashore, looking out over the waves to the horizon, so too, with the, the embodiment, appreciation of this quality of awareness. We don't have to define it or name it or describe it. It's it. This is the very means the medium of experience itself. It doesn't need to be defined or described. It is. It's the very fabric of this experience of this moment for all of us. Here it is. It's this. So embodying that, actualizing that quality, knowing it, freeing it from the habits of self-view and conceit, that's a practice. The quality itself doesn't need to be made or developed or owned. It's, it's the, the fabric of the Dhamma itself. Our practice is clarifying that, freeing that from the habits of obscuration, the 10,000 distractions that the mind likes to chase after, gets caught by. Letting go of those distractions, here it is. Where could the Dhamma be other than right here, present, complete, unshakable?